1: is episode eight of from the braves booth you found us glad you found us however you're listening to your podcast you can find us weekly and uh make sure you like subscribe all that stuff we'd love to have you tuned in every single week alongside joe simpson and our producer engineer jonathan chadwick ben ingram here with you want to pass you our email address uh we got lots of questions we'll be getting to over the course of our show today but maybe next week your question could come up on our show and just email us at bravesbooth at gmail.com again bravesbooth at gmail.com and joe this is the first time we have done the show from anywhere other than our booth in atlanta we're on the road for the first time man and
2: look look at all the fans that we have
1: that have gathered
2: outside our booth here you know, that doesn't happen when we're at home alone. There's nobody in the
1: ballpark, but there's a lot of folks out there really excited to see us. I know this much. I was really excited last night, and uh, I know we'll continue to be excited, but getting to call the game live, no matter where the team is playing, no matter where the venue, uh, being there to me is is just such an ultimate thrill and getting to do the job like we're supposed to be doing it. And uh, we we'll got yeah. to do that last night.
2: Yeah, I, I've heard from a lot of people uh, who were listening last night and were very Uh, appreciative of the fact that somebody had stepped up and let us travel and we thank uh, Major League Baseball. We thank the Braves and uh, 680 the fan for making this happen. Certainly that makes it easier on us to be here
1: Uh, and I know you guys on social media heard from a lot of people as well and I hope the response was the same. Mm, Definitely was and you know when it comes to destinations in Major League Baseball maybe this is a place that doesn't get enough credit. I mean I think we talk about New York and Chicago and San Diego and rightly so but This isn't a bad little stop along the way, is it?
2: No, it's not. State of Missouri has great baseball fans and a long history of baseball with Kansas City and St. Louis. And, uh, you know, right or wrong, Cardinal fans like to think of themselves as the best fans in baseball. (laughs) Uh, But be that as it may, they are very loyal. Their team is playing about 500. They turned out over 30,000 of them last night. And uh, it's a great venue it's a great city, and for us to get here in August and it'd be
1: 79 degrees at game time, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take that every single time. It's currently 83 as we're doing this podcast. We have the windows open. I mean, this is about as good as you can imagine, especially for St. Louis. And I'm right there with you. A really nice venue, really good backdrop and, and setting here at this ballpark. Good hotel. Uh, the flight from Atlanta to here is, what, a couple of hours? Pretty easy. Yeah, it's tops. So, you know, the travel is very good for St. Louis. Yeah, it really is. So we are happy to be here and happy to have you with us tuned in wherever you're listening from here on our podcast of from the Braves booth we have lots of great questions as always you guys just do better and better every single week looking at some of these questions that were sent to us this week some tremendous questions and we'll get to those in just a little while but Joe as we come into today this is game number 108 of the season coming up tonight and as we're recording this it is August the 4th Wednesday afternoon at 507 eastern time Uh, So 55 games left to be played. And I think that our optimism is renewed. I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like that's the case. I know that mine is. After seeing what took place at the trade deadline and after seeing what uh, has taken place with this lineup since the trade deadline, I think we both feel pretty optimistic that the Braves could make a push to win this division. And hopefully the month of August is a big one for this ball club.
2: I'm not optimistic. I'm jacked. (laughs) I I mean, we have a big league outfield. We have a good bench. Uh, We have a a more solid uh, bullpen that has pitched really well over the last 10 days to two weeks. Uh, Our starting pitching is only going to get better when we have uh, Ian Anderson back and perhaps Waskari Noah as well. So the way the guys are swinging the bat right now, and and I, I know some days we score... Ten and the next day we score one. I know there's still some of that going on, but a lot of that you gotta understand is who you're playing against too. Right. But the offense is is doing their share of the load, carrying their share of the load. So
1: I am jacked over the prospects of this ball club making it four in a row. Well, we've been talking so much about the team trying to win two in a row, and they've alternated wins and losses. What is it for seventeen straight ball games now? And you want to end that and you can end that tonight if you win this ball game this evening. However, Looking back on the stretch, the Braid just came through, and we're talking about this going into the All-Star break, the 18 games that they have coming out of the break, everybody that they play a first-place team with the exception of the Phillies, and that's a good ball club. Should we be thinking, hey, sunny side of this is they played 500 ball against some really good teams. Now it's an opportunity to really ratchet up a little bit and really get things going here in these next few weeks. Let's just
2: say they survived uh, beginning right before the All-Star break and carrying through to right now. Uh, They have survived this. And whether it's winning and losing alternating days, and that's your version, my version of surviving, I'd say it is against these ball clubs because they have been very good teams this year. So going forward, uh, it is going to, I don't want to call it relax a little bit, but it's certainly not the ball clubs we've been seeing over the last three weeks to a month. And maybe the Braves can take advantage of that with the way they're playing. Uh, keep moving up in the standings entering play tonight only two and a half behind the Mets and I did go through and look at the schedules remaining for Philadelphia and New York and if you like at your leisure we can talk about that a little bit with home and road games and who they're playing and certainly if I was going to pick between the Phillies the Braves and the Mets over who had the lightest schedule
1: it was no contest it's the Phillies really yeah So I guess that really puts the month of August under the microscope for the Braves. This goes back to what you and I were talking about last night, where September is really tough for the Braves. Two West Coast road trips. You do see the Phillies. You do see the Mets. Got some really tough teams. You have the Dodgers at the end of August going into September. That, in my opinion, puts these next two and a half weeks in a prime position for the Braves, where you have the Cardinals. They've been a 500 team. You'll see the Marlins. You'll see the Orioles, you'll see the Nationals a couple of times. You'll see the Reds, and they're a good ball club, but they're not a first place team. All the while, the Mets will, will not have Jacob Degrom. We'll see what happens with the Phillies and and their health and everything. But I think this really emphasizes the next two and a half weeks for the Braves, given what you mentioned with the Phillies having the easier trek uh, between now and the end of the season, and, and where the Mets are with some of their injuries. To me, this these next few weeks are crucial for Atlanta. Well, let me give you an example.
2: Uh, we we. I think we consider the West Coast, the teams that are probably the best in the league, San Francisco, L.A., and San Diego. Right. Working on that assumption, not including Milwaukee, who we just saw, but on that assumption for those three teams, the Phillies have six games left with L.A. and San Diego. They're done with the Giants. Okay. Okay? The Mets have 13 games left with the Giants and L.A. They're done with San Diego. All right? The Braves are not done with any of them. Right. Braves have 12 games left home and home with the Giants and road games at L.A. and San Diego. So 12 out west with those teams. The Phillies only
1: six. The Mets have 13. That's a disadvantage for them, of course. And those teams are going to be really pressing there in September because they're going to be battling each other to win that division because the two teams that don't win that division are probably going to be squaring off with a wild card. So they'll look at the Braves and say, that's a team we got to beat up on. No doubt. The Mets,
2: also thinking out west, the Mets don't have any games left with Colorado or Arizona. All right? The Phillies have 11 games left with them, including seven against Arizona. Wow. The Braves have 11 left with them, including seven against Colorado. Okay, so that's that kind of is a wash right there. Um Mets have ten left with Washington. Braves have nine left with Washington. The Phillies only three. And I, I took the schedule after this this series, these series that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. So it basically starts with Friday, and Which not is Washington
1: at home. And yeah, yeah. Well, what that tells me is, and, and Washington, look, they still have a few nice pieces, but they are nowhere near what they were two weeks ago that tells me that in those 12 games that you mentioned between the Nationals and the Marlins I mean you got to make some hay in those ball games yeah De- definitely I mean, you got to take care of business there here's one other ding that goes um, in the way of the Phillies
2: um, they have 10 games left and and some of them are right before the end of the season when the Phillies come to Atlanta they have 10 games left with Pittsburgh Baltimore and the Cubs Wow. That's very soft, especially where the Cubs are right now. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and the Cubs, 10 games left with the Phillies that they should whip up on if they're in a race in mid-September. So we'll see how that turns out. The Braves only have, of those teams, the Braves only have three left with Baltimore coming up on the next road trip. And um,
1: the Mets don't have them at all. Like I said, that really tells me that between tonight, August the 4th, and the 22nd of August, that final game in Baltimore, you really better play your best baseball of the season.
2: You're going to have to have a really good
1: road trip. Because you will have Nats, Reds, Nats, Marlins, Orioles. And you'd have to go back to Braves are scoring some runs, but you want to see it spread out a little bit more. I looked this up last night. The last time the Braves were outscored in a series do you remember the back-to-back games the Braves had at home against the Red Sox in mid-June? They lost 10-8 in both of those games. Right. It's a two-game series. That's the last series where the Braves were outscored by their opponent for the series. Now, you'd, you'd say that and say, well, they, they're probably winning every series. Hadn't been the case. No. Because it's a 2-1 loss. It's a one nothing win. And then there's a 9 nothing win. Right. Or a 3-1 loss. An 8 nothing win and a one nothing loss. Right. So you'd like to see that spread out a little bit more and hopefully you can do that here in the final two months of the season. Uh, to the Braves' credit, and, and for the Phillies and the Mets, I'm sure they'd say this as well, all three of those teams can see a path to victory in yeah, this division. They, they can,
2: and it's obvious that uh, they all have to stay healthy and keep the players on the field that they all three have right now. The Phillies uh, have 29 home games left. 24 on the road. The Braves have 26 at home with an asterisk. There's one more to be played out in San Diego where they will be a home team. But that it's resumed in, game. Yeah, but it's in San Diego. Uh, so they're 50-50, 26 and 26 home and road. The Mets, more road games. 24 at home, 28 on the road. Sub-500 teams. And I was kind of guessing at this today, I, not that I couldn't look it up and see who was right at 500, but I like Cincinnati. I think they're a good club. I right. did not include them as a sub-500 team, even though they may be teetering on it. The, the Cardinals fell to 500 today right. or last night. The Phillies have 30 games left against sub-500 teams and 23 over 500. Okay? Okay. The Braves have 29 left. That's just one less than the Phillies against sub 500 teams and 23 against the better teams the mets only have 19 left against sub 500 clubs and they've got 33 left with clubs of 500 or better so you you understand what i've been telling you about the phillies seem to have an easier path the mets do not
1: Hearing those, I would I would say that if I were ranking the easiest paths, I'd say that the Mets have the toughest path. I do, Even too. though they're the team in, the, in first place. They're in first place, but they have the toughest schedule, in my opinion. Man, this thing's going to be... Interesting. Yes, it is. And, and I And it's you got to win the division. I hope
2: it comes down to that last week. I do, too. You know, if the Braves have a chance to win the division against the Phillies and Mets at home the last week of the season, that's all we can
1: hope for. It would be great to be working with the net of, well, if you finish second, you'll be a wild-card team. That's not going to exist for that this division this happen. year. No, it's not. So if you don't win this division, we'll see it spring training. Right. I mean, that's the reality of it all. So that is really exciting, and it's fun to be in the mix for that, and you just hope that this team – Look, they've played 107 games now. I don't think they've played their best baseball. I hope that that's the case. I don't want to be pie in the sky over the top optimistic, but with the the, the the deals that they made, with the players that are getting healthy here in the next few weeks, I hope that that comes together and means you playing the best baseball we've seen out of this ball club to this point in the season. Here's a, here's a thought.
2: The Braves got uh, Rodriguez from a last-place club. They got Peterson from a club who got stripped down and became, you know, non-competitive from the Cubs. Uh, you get Duval from a last-place club. You get Solaire from a last-place club. These guys are—they're they, in—they have tremendous incentive, right, to step in, help out, and get after it. And I think that will go a long way toward kind of putting a new, put on, putting a new spark under the core of the Braves, which is the infield, and saying, hey.
1: We got some new guys. They're fired up. We should be fired up, too. hope so. And I could see that. If the Braves win this division, I think we look back and say, what you just mentioned, that's one of the biggest reasons that they won the division. Healthy at the right time in the final two months of the season, getting some additions. And those guys that you traded for came together and lifted this ball club. I think if you win the division, that's what you're pointing at.
2: What you said a minute ago, they haven't played their best baseball yet. And and I agree with you from a standpoint of um, uh, streak. Mm -hmm. They have not gone on a streak. I think their longest winning streak is four games. Right? Is that right? Right, that's correct. Uh, So they have had spurts where they've played well and look like the team to beat the National League East, and then all of a sudden they get to 500 or whatever and fall backwards four games. So you're right in that regard. I still think they've got a seven- or eight-game winning streak in them, and that would go
1: a long way toward uh, putting them – right at the top too it would so we're talking about all these things that we want to see and that might be step four or five step one putting back-to-back wins together right step two getting over 500 for the first time because none of those other things can happen until those things take place
2: yeah and let's get off this this ride this merry-go-round that we're on right now let's 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 see a win tonight and make that the
1: uh the starting point for getting that every other day stuff behind us and moving on feel like when this thing gets published and, and it gets put out there it's usually about the seventh eighth inning of the ball game that night that's what you know somewhere in that neighborhood i hope by that point by the time this put it gets put out there where you got the braves up nine to three in the eighth inning and cruising to back-to-back wins but we've not seen that since i think we said june the ninth and tenth something like that down yeah. in miami yeah is way yeah. way way too long but so. um you know last night was
2: odd seeing john lester in a cardinals uniform uh-huh he obviously didn't feel right in it in the first inning. <laughs> right. Things didn't go his way that that particular inning for him. Um, and tonight, Jay Happ is pitching for the Cardinals. So these are two guys that have come over and give the Cardinals credit for trying since their starting rotation is so banged up. Um, but you just hope because Lester's having a tough year, Jay Happ is having a bad year,
1: that you're catching these guys at the right time despite Having a new uniform on. Yeah. And facing another left hander tonight, you'll see another one tomorrow. Uh, this ball game this evening, you'll see a, a similar lineup to what you saw last night, at least from the standpoint of, of one through six in the order. Seven, eight, nine, a little bit different with Haradia batting seventh, vote eight, and then the pitcher ninth, obviously. But uh, I think what we saw last night, going back to something that you asked Nit about, when you see lefties, this is pretty much your lineup, Ozzy at the top. You won't see Jock back up there until you see a right-handed starter, will you?
2: Yeah, and with Heredia in there tonight, instead of Jock, he gets a little reprieve from the lefties, even though he got a couple of knocks yesterday uh, and and is holding his own against lefties since he put on a Braves uni. Uh, Heredia's going to get a start, and I think Snit's doing a good job of keeping Heredia sharp mm-hmm. and and, do, and getting Almonte in there for at-bats and pinch hitting. I think he's doing a good job there on those guys' Uh, keeping
1: them ready. I want to ask you one more question before we jump into the questions from our listeners. I know that it was just one piece with Rodriguez being added, but it, I keep thinking about something that you have mentioned. When you add one piece, you shuffle everybody else forward and you get stronger uh, one inning at a time. And I know it's only been a few ball games since we've seen Rodriguez added, but I think that this bullpen has looked better.
2: Well, it's got an 099 ERA. I think Jay chad sent that to me today in the last 10 days right you know that's outstanding mm-hmm. and um you can give some of the credit to the fact that rodriguez rodriguez was added he's only been in two games but it puts everybody in a different role beginning in the fifth inning and give credit to the starting rotation. The guys are going a little deeper in the ballgame, so that takes a little pressure off the pen.
1: And hopefully Drew Smiley can go deeper
2: tonight. He's gone four innings in each of his last two outings. Yeah, I, I think that's going to change tonight. Mm-hmm. I think he'll go deeper. Uh, I don't think he was 100% right after his knee was bothering him two starts ago. And right. I think he was exactly himself last time out, but
1: it turned into a win. Uh, against the Mets so we can't argue that and you face a pitcher and Jay Happ has given up more earned runs than anybody in the league yeah so hopefully you can continue that trend and hit him as hard as you hit John Lester last night all right once again our email is bravesbooth at gmail.com Jay Chad's going to come join us and we're going to dive into your questions and we have a very long list of great questions once again and I just love our listeners and how, how uh How great you guys are how closely you follow the team and the game and that really shows in the questions that you bring up and i'll start with this one right off the top of the list this is from mike and mike you're you're like so many from last night who were tuned in last night We've heard so many people over the course of the last 22 months who would listen to our ball games on the teams on the road and say, wow, you guys do a great job with calling the game off the monitor. It sounds like you're there. Well, Mike says, after having to call games off monitors for so long, what did it feel like last night for you? And then there's another question a little bit later on. This is from Dan down our list here. It says, I just wanted to tell you guys what a difference it made last night. Listening to you guys being on site, the product is much better and it comes across on air. Kudos to those that made it happen. And and I, I think about those two questions. And yes, I think for the last two years you would listen to the broadcast and uh, you'd say, okay, it sounds like they're there. But when you heard last night, it probably a light bulb probably clicked on. And you thought, wow, I can actually tell a difference compared to what I have been listening to. And I think that being at the ballpark makes such a tremendous difference. And I don't know that they could really really be underestimated that the kind of difference that it makes for what we do.
2: No, the best description I can give anyone on this is that. Uh, when we're here at the ballpark, we have better than 180-degree field of vision, you know. We can see everything that's going on at the ballpark and especially what's going on in front of us. When we're at home for road games, like you at home watching TV, we only have whatever the camera lens. We're looking at it through a tube almost of whatever the camera lens shows us. And there's so much going on outside that that field, that depth of field for a camera right a tv camera that's pertinent to the game you know i don't know how in the world anybody could sit at home last night uh watching the game you know on tv and figure out if Freddie's ball down the line was a fair or foul home run right you know did it go over the fence you know you know what happened mm-hmm. but being here, you were on top of it. You could see what happened. You could see the
1: umpires and their signal. So that made things so much easier. Yeah, and that's not just for us calling the game. That's for you too, JC.
0: The first thing I go back to is what Joe just mentioned. I was talking to someone earlier today, and they asked what the biggest difference was. And the example that I brought up was Freddie's home run down the right field line last night that curled around the pole. Had we been in Atlanta watching off a monitor, it's those boundary calls like that you don't know what happens until it's already happened and unfortunately whether it comes across to too many people at home or not it does affect the call and so uh yeah for me too, just uh, to be able to be here and for you guys to be able to see what's happening in front of you as opposed to relying on a tv director in a city that we're not in is tremendous uh, and having everything that I have at my disposal at a ballpark without having to rely on TV and without having to rely on Braves Vision back in Atlanta and without having to have, you know, 17 different monitors up in the booth, it's all right here in front of us. This is the way it was intended to be done. Fingers crossed we get to keep doing it this way. Absolutely.
2: Got another question very similar to that. Um, it said, um
1: what did it feel like to leave Atlanta with the team again? That's from Patrick. I had to jog my memory to remember how things work. Where do I drop bags? Where do we go on the plane? Where do we sit? Mm-hmm. Where do you pick up keys? All that stuff. But it felt amazing.
0: I'll say uh, we talked about this a couple of nights ago at dinner. It was, almost a, it was very nostalgic because when we left the ballpark and we were getting on 285 to go to the airport – There were a lot of things running through my mind. And one of the things that was probably running through my mind the most was the fact that we all remained as optimistic as we possibly could throughout all of this. But, you know, I think we'd probably all be lying if we didn't say there was a small part of us that didn't know if that day was ever going to come again. And it did. And so to be there and to be a part of it and to be able to do this again, it was a really nice feeling.
2: Yeah, and we were really made to feel at home and uh, included and uh, when you're getting hugs from some of the coaches and players and uh, the flight attendants on the Delta Charter uh, that were Genuinely excited to see us and happy that we were back. That made us all feel good. It was. It felt like a
1: party and a reunion. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, those people that you mentioned, they're friends. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what we do. I mean, for seven and a half months, we see them more than we see our family and friends. Well, the sad part was I, I'm walking down the aisle, and there's 10 or 15
2: guys I've never met. <laughs> right. I didn't know who they were, and they didn't know who I was. Right. And they're
0: players, so that's kind
2: of sad. Yeah.
0: I have one for you guys. This is from Jerry. How has your outlook on the Braves changed after the trade deadline acquisitions?
2: I think we answered that just a minute ago, Jay Chad. I'm jacked about the acquisitions. I think, uh, as I said, the day of the trade deadline, we're better today than we were yesterday. I continue to believe that, and I think we're
1: only going to get better. I think so, too. I think the team has a shot, and I'm now very optimistic if they were in a different division, maybe I'd say, "Oh, well, this is too little, too late. But you're in the right division. You've made some changes that I think will help this ball club day-to-day. And that makes me very optimistic for where they are with 55 games left to be played this season. Let's go off the beaten path a little bit. Do you guys ever travel with your swimsuit? That's from Lacey. Depends on the destination, right? Yes. I mean, if we're going to Cincinnati, probably not. I mean, are you talking about
0: clothing? Or are you just – I'm always here with my swimsuit <laughs> on. <laughs> You're always ready. (laughs) I would say, yeah, to to Ben's point, if we go to Miami, if we go to San Diego, yeah, I'm taking my swimsuit anywhere else, probably not. That's a good
1: question, Lacey. We haven't been asked that one yet. And right after, Lacey, there's one from
2: Jen. Waffles or pancakes? And we're definitely going to let Ben start with this one.
1: I'm going pancakes. Hardcore. Big stack? Giant stack. (laughs) As we say back in Mississippi, a big old thing of whoop cream and <laughs> some <laughs> butter and syrup. I'm way in. Uh, I'm going waffles. All right, you're just a Tex
2: Georgia guy, aren't you? Yeah, just a Georgia boy. Waffle House. Yeah, I know you. I can do either. I don't. I like them both. Yeah. Uh, I probably, if I had got pressed on it, I'd say pancakes.
1: Blueberry'd be great. Oh man, see, I want to go back to breakfast now. Uh huh. That sounds great. Well, you got, Jay Chad.
0: Uh, this question is for Joe. When you were playing, what pitcher did you have the most success hitting against and which pitcher gave you the most trouble? Hmm.
2: Well, it should be easy for me to recall the ones I did well against. There weren't very many. <laughs> uh, you know who I had some luck against? It was a Hall of Famer, Fergie Jenkins. I think I was uh, I was like 5 for 15 with a couple of doubles and a homer off Fergie. So I'll stick with that. That's That's a feather in my cap against a, a great pitcher um, you know there's a lot of guys that I probably had some O for twos and O for fours and O for fives against uh, a ton of those guys but one guy that uh, I recall really scuffling against was Dennis Eckersley uh, I got one hit off him in about I don't know 15 at bats or something he didn't strike me out a lot but uh, I'm not sure why because
1: he was awfully tough yeah let me take that a step further what was it about fergie that you had success with it was I, just how you saw him i guess i don't know and call it luck if you want and
2: i'm just fine with that um yeah there's another guy matt Keo, who i was like uh i don't know eight for 17 against i think because i saw him a lot in oakland when i was with seattle i remember hitting a home run off him but um yeah, there's not a whole lot of them that just jump out at me and go,
1: oh, yeah, you wore this
2: guy out. No, it <laughs> didn't happen.
1: <laughs> I, I did see one question in there that asked about your longest at bat. I'll have to look it up. To uh, who I, said I, that. that was from Lance. Do you remember who that was? Uh, was it calling the game? or? I assume as a as a batter. Did you ever I, have like a, a battle you remember where it's 10, 11, 12 pitches, something like no, that? No, I
2: don't remember anything that stands out in the big leagues. I remember having one like that in – in the minor leagues one time where I was, they almost ran out of balls. I kept fouling <laughs> off so many. That was up in Spokane, Washington. And um, heaven, how do I remember stuff like that? I don't know. But in the big leagues, no, I don't remember any extended yeah. at-bats. What
1: do you got, JC? Uh,
0: this question's for everyone. Is there one guy on or around the team that we may not ever hear about that you like spending time around?
2: that's a tough answer because we haven't been around them in so long yeah um the old standbys and the guys that have been here uh before the pandemic uh we enjoy all their company and freddie freeman probably at the top of that list but uh all those guys uh are
1: fun to be around yeah a couple of guys come to mind of the guys that are currently on this ball club, I, I've not had too many opportunities to visit with Travis Darno, but I did get to do a Zoom interview with him during the pandemic, and I had a blast doing that. Uh, can't wait to have more conversations with him. Another guy that comes to mind that I've had conversations with in the past because I think the emphasis on that question was somebody that maybe you're not expecting. Josh Tomlin. I've had some good conversations with yeah, him. Right. I remember going back to um, let's go back to the 2019 postseason. And I went to him one day before maybe game one or two, and I said, you know, you've been here. you pitched in the World Series. What's this like? And I remember he broke down each round and how each passing round is just amplified more and more and more. The further you go, the more just insane and chaotic it can become. And I, and I really enjoyed that conversation with him, given the fact that he had been there before And then of the guys that we haven't had too many opportunities to speak to, got to speak to Charlie Morton several years ago, back when he was in the minor leagues with the Braves, and I've really enjoyed his post-game interviews because he really breaks down what he saw. I think he really takes his time uh, and gets really into the details and not just giving you cliche answers. I've enjoyed that hearing from Charlie after his starts.
0: I would say um, guys that you may not ever hear about, Uh, Guys in the clubhouse like uh, Rob Smith, he's the manager of baseball video operations for the Braves. This is his 27th season with the team. Had lunch with him today. Really enjoy his company. And then uh, some of the assistant equipment managers like uh, Chris Hunter or Eric Durbin, uh, guys that work really hard that uh, you certainly don't really ever hear from or see but have a big part in what goes on here.
2: Yeah, I'm with you guys on all of that. And uh, look forward to getting to know the new guys Um, in the coming days and road trips because we're going to be around them. You know, I want to talk to Will Smith. Yeah. This is his second season here, theoretically. I haven't ever talked to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, those types of guys, um, having to go up and introduce yourself to
1: him is kind of odd. Yeah, it is. It is strange because it it just goes so far against what you're used to Mm -hmm. and having some kind of relationship with all these guys. Uh, Let's see here... Oh, I like this one. Why does the TV booth have more faces for radio than the radio booth? That's from Brooke.
2: Well, Brooke, uh, as you recall, not so long ago, there were faces over there for TV. Now <laughs> one of those faces is on radio. So that kind of swung the old scales right there, <laughs> yeah, I think. It did. Don't you guys? I think so. they agree I completely. <laughs> tilted them
1: completely in our favor. <laughs> yeah, we, we cherry picked from over there. Uh yeah, I like that question a lot. Um, here's a TV question. Ozark or Game of Thrones? That's from Bill. Oh, there's no doubt. No question. Oh, well, this is ought to be this ought to be interesting. Ozark. How about you, JC? Ozark I'm, all day. I'm going Game of Thrones all uh, day. a big weenie.
0: <laughs> Isn't a new season of Ozark supposed to be coming out sometime uh, relatively soon, I thought? I mean,
2: Ozark and um, uh, Kevin Costner's show.
1: Yellowstone. Yellowstone. I mean, where are they? I think that's this fall. Let's go. I know. Got a lot of questions to, to to have answered from the end of that season three from Yellowstone. Which is funny to me because Yellowstone is basically Game of Thrones on a ranch. In my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like a family hierarchy of right. power.
0: I'll have to admit, I've never done the Game of Thrones thing. It takes but, a lot. You know, we have been to Dubrovnik, Croatia. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've, I've seen where... Some of the series has been filmed, and I've heard a lot about it, but couldn't be a bigger fan of Ozark.
2: Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, This is from Noah. With Acuna being out, do you believe that the Braves have effectively, quote-unquote, picked up the slack and properly filled his shoes? Your thoughts?
1: I think as well as you can. I don't think that you replace a player like Ronald Acuna. There are a few players in this league that can do what he does day in, day out. I mean he's one of the top talents in the game so what you have done is is you have put together and this is going back to the to what we started with joe you've put together a major league outfield now you've got three guys left to right that you can try it out there and another one on the way in eddie rosario yeah that i think you you say okay now you have done the best you can to fill that hole and put out there a really good outfield but i don't think you can replace 13.
0: i would agree with ben i don't think you're trying to replace him because you can't replace him but as you've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks, they've done what they can to uh, to improve uh, in his absence, and hopefully it continues to pay dividends the rest of the way. It's kind of a cliche,
2: but uh, it certainly applies that uh, in any sport when you lose a key player, a lot of a lot of managers, teammates will say, "Next man up." You know that's that's the attitude you have to have. So right. uh, I think they've done a good job of that, and nobody has whined or cried about, well, if we had Ronald, if we had Acuna to do this or that. Nobody has said a word about that, and everybody else has tried
1: to pick up the slack as the question was asked, and I think they're doing a real good job so far. I think they have, too. I, I think that those guys immediately have that mentality of next man up. But it, it, it was crucial, I thought, that Alex Anthopoulos
2: went out and got Jock Peterson right away. Right. I thought that was uh, as much a mental... Uh, boost for this ball club and uh, he kind of let them know without talking to them directly that hey we're not giving up we're going to try to do the best we can and Mm. try to make our team better yeah i think so too
0: we have all seemed to see this question a lot over the course of maybe the last week or so and this question's for from or for joe from brandon what are your thoughts on oklahoma moving to the sec
2: uh i i am very excited about it i am fired up about it and i would say to the rest of the sec gird your loins (laughs) Um, one of the things for me selfishly is that spending the winters in st simon's think about the proximity to gainesville florida athens georgia columbia south carolina auburn and tuscaloosa i mean there's going to be opportunities when that eventually starts where right. i can go see my team play in these in these sites at these sites and that will be exciting for me but i think it's great i think it's wonderful uh a sidelight, and i've told you guys this uh, i was always a big eight guy well the big eight died when uh, nebraska missouri colorado left that that died big 12 It it couldn't take the place. You had interlopers like TCU and West Virginia and Baylor, et cetera, et cetera. It just wasn't the same. So I'm excited
1: about this. New beginnings, and it'll be fun. I think it's exciting for the region, and I I hope it's a step closer to – and I know there are plenty of arguments against this, but I'd like to see more teams in the playoffs, and I'd like for it to be more like the NFL – I'd love for if you have a 10-2 and two record, you still got to crack at something rather than, well, you lost the game. I have no shot at the national championship. I'd like to see that. Maybe this is a step forward towards that. So,
2: I, To all my friends in Oklahoma or OU fans that were not for it, I just kept saying, wait a minute. Do you want to go to Norman to watch a game, watch OU play uh, Kansas, Kansas State or, yeah. Iowa, or Kansas and Iowa State, or do you want to go watch them play – Alabama, Auburn, uh-huh. or Tennessee, you know, those types of things. And UGA, of course. It's funny and ironic, OU and UGA already had a home-and-home home on the books. Uh, it's a few years down the road, like 2027 20, or something like that, but they were going to already play a home-and-home, home, so they were kind of now a
1: conference game. They were ahead of the curve, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and, too, I love going to other venues, and, and not that I get to do that a lot, but – if the time comes where I can go to Norman or go to Austin, two places I've never gone to see a game, I would love to do that. I think it would be a lot of fun. You'd have a good time. Yeah, definitely. What is uh, the best pizza you guys have had on the road? That's from Ken.
0: What city? Jay Chad,
1: you had some good pizza today, didn't you?
0: I did. Uh, a place here in St. Louis called Emo's that every time we come here, I try to go once. Uh, it's really, really good. I'd put it up against anything. But, I mean, is there bad pizza?
1: No. I mean, even when you get bad pizza, it's still all right. I'll take the deep dish out of Chicago. I love that stuff. Yeah, I know you
2: do. I was going to defer to you, Ben, because you and Jay Chatter are food guys, and uh, Ben especially, for you folks that don't know if, as Chip Carey said to me today, he said if talking about the fair that's here in St. Louis. He said, if Ben gets hungry enough, he'll eat his foot. <laughs> so uh, we, we know how much you like food. Yeah.
1: So, I, I always have a strategy if I go to the fair. I'll try not to eat, and then it's just blow it out, man. Like <laughs> Give me all the corn dogs and the elephant ears, oh, yeah, pizza, go, whatever else. Yeah, I like that two legs. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go Chicago style. Any other questions you guys want to throw out there within our last few minutes?
0: Ben, this is also from Lance. Do you remember your first major league home run call?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was uh, it. Was my first game. Uh, it was April 29th, 2011. Braves and Cardinals it was at Turner Field. I had the fourth through the seventh. And Nate McClouth took uh, Chris Carpenter deep in the bottom of the seventh inning. It's a solo home run. First batter I ever had was Albert Pujols because I, I knew that Jim wasn't feeling all that well. And, they, and Don was out, so Jim was working with Limmer. This was 2011, and they told me, be ready. So I was in there as if I'm in the bullpen. It might be the third, it might be the fifth, it, might, it might, we might not use you at all. And I got a text in the top of the third saying, we want you to do the fourth through the seventh. And the last out was made in the top of the third, and I looked down to see who my next batter would be, and it was pool hall. So I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. And he singled a right field. How about that? Um, so, yeah, I, I remember it very well, McLaugh took uh carpenter deep and i think the braves lost an extra innings that night wow i bet when you got that text you were moving so fast that uh, your eyes watered and was coming oh up <laughs> you're moving so it, fast to get to the booth it, i was i remember texting my family and i guess mom put out a text to me and, and I, my phone started blowing up before it even went on the air wow I was like i got to turn this off yeah i, like, I got work to go do and uh, yeah, that was a dream come true it was awesome very cool Anything else, fellas? Let's see. I know we have a few that we still have to get to. Let's go one more. All right. Uh, J. Chad, this is a good one for you. Let you beat it on your chest a little bit. Did either of you participate in high school or collegiate sports? If so, which sports? And did you ever want to play professionally? Or have you always wanted to be in broadcasting? That's from
0: Beth. Well, to answer your question, Beth, who doesn't want to play professionally? But there's a reason I'm sitting in the seat that I am. <laughs> um, I did play uh, baseball in high school and college enjoyed the competition enjoyed being around my teammates tremendously uh but there came a time for everyone where um it was the end of the line and after college that was for me and so the next best thing uh was for me to pursue what I'm doing now so it means uh still get to be a part of the game every day um just not in a uniform and this is the next best thing and uh love what I'm doing now
1: yeah best I got to do is dabble in high school good enough to be on a team that was about it but I, I knew i wanted to go into broadcasting and as soon as i finished high school it was full speed ahead towards broadcasting i was uh halfway expecting you to say
2: jonathan that um after college you, the next best thing was you know 30 and over softball league <laughs> uh, but i'll bet you were dynamite weren't
0: i you? did do the, uh, the the softball thing for a while but you know, I got too busy, and then when you take the long layoffs that you do, you know, you're really, really sore the next morning. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of in the rearview mirror, too. Head almost 40. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right, I'll throw one more out there at you guys, and we'll wrap things up. This is from Beverly. She says, I'm a diehard Braves fan, been watching most of my life. Dad was military, so we got TBS everywhere. We ended up with the Army, and I'm a woman. I'm seeing a surge in women fans on Twitter in person and both Gwinnett and, and at, uh, at Atlanta, as well as in Facebook groups. My question is, with Kim Ng becoming the Marlins general manager and getting her opportunity, do you feel like this might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, or do you think that we'll see more women in baseball as GMs or in a different capacity?
2: I liked what Kim said when she got the job, and she'd been in line for a GM job uh, at several other places before Miami hired her. but she said that it was a tremendous opportunity but also uh, a task in that she couldn't fail she didn't want to let any of the other women young women down who might also have these aspirations right i really admired that from her and uh i respect uh certainly her her education uh, the she she's put in her time she's earned her stripes and now we'll see how she does mm-hmm. you know the results will be on on the team and what what's made available to her in terms of personnel and uh, the funds to to improve the ball club but that's a great question and i think it, we've just scratched the surface there and i
1: think that there will be many more to come yeah i think so too and to me it's one of my favorite things about this country uh, i feel like no matter what you look like what you believe, whatever it may be, if you're the best person for the job, you should have the job. And the Marlins determined that Kim Ng was the best person for that job, and I love that. Uh, she's not there simply because this was some groundbreaking move. They've got games to win. Uh, this is a business. And they determined that she was the best person for that job, and she got the job. That's what I'm for. If if the best pitcher on the planet is, is a woman, I want her on my team. Right. I want her to be my opening day starter. And, and, I, and I think we're, we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, in our game and in this country, and that's what you want to see. You want to, you want people who are the best to be given the opportunities, and, um, and not simply because of they look like this or they are that. If you're the best at that opportunity at that job, you should have that job, and that's what I think we all want to see. I think that applies to anything, Ben, uh, in any line of work. If you're the best, you ought to be there. Yeah, I agree, and that, there should be no other, uh, nothing else that stands in your way uh, if you've earned that. So. Well, that wraps up another episode, and once again, we thank you so much for tuning in. Please like us and subscribe us or whatever it is that uh, you get to do when you come to rating our show, and uh, we thank you for tuning in every single week. We'll be with you again next week, and we'll be back home next week as the Braves are right back home. We hope to see you at the ballpark at some point over the course of the next homestand. So in the meantime, for Joe, for Jonathan, I'm Ben, and you have been Inside the Braves Booth.